don't know about you, but that song is going to be in my head the rest of the week now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, man, so I'm Jonathan. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad to be here with you. Pastor Chris is actually out with the family. They're uh, watching some softball with Lauren, playing some softball for college and some things, and so they're enjoying that. So be in prayer for them. Also be in prayer for spring break. The excited kids in here, students in here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I got some spring break action happening, so uh, excited for that. Um, so we are in the middle of a series called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And uh, hopefully you were here with us last week. You got to hear from Joseph Sengel. He's the writer of that book. And uh, kind of was able to just share his story of how he learned to handle money God's way. And just uh, lots of great principles. If you get a chance, go check that out. Check it out on the podcast. You can go to our church website and see that. Or you can go to the Facebook and uh, find us on there and see the service live. If you ever miss the service, there's people watching right now. You'd be surprised how many are watching just online every, every single week. It's pretty cool. Uh, so now, I was broke, now I'm not. So uh, before you start holding on to your wallets, uh, I just let you know kind of where we're headed today. Uh, my goal today is just to talk perspective, to talk more about who God is, right? And uh, just to see, uh, because I, I, I believe that as we, the way that we view God changes the way that we see money, okay? And uh, not just that, I think that your life, the ways that you live, is a direct response to how you view God. Even blatant disregard of God is a view of God that, that makes, brings that on. And so uh, today, I, maybe many of you are familiar with this book. Uh, Dr. Gary Chapman has a book called The Five Love Languages. Anybody heard that book? Yep. Uh, and so it goes through just the ways that we express love, the ways that we receive love. And, and one, of the, one of the ways that we, that, that one of the five love languages is receiving gifts. Anybody in here would say that their love language is receiving gifts? Some of you are like, uh, no, but I'll, I'll make it mine. So uh, here we go. Uh, but, uh, but yes, receiving gifts. Uh, gift receiving has kind of taken a bit of a weird turn since having kids for me. Okay? And, and what I mean by that is that um, now whatever, you know, now it, Christmas is more about the kids as far as the, the presents and that kind of stuff. But if there's a, uh, an occasion or it's my birthday or something like that and there's a, a reason for them to buy gifts for me, it's kind of a weird dynamic where they actually – take my money, and buy me a gift. And so it's kind of weird. Uh, it, it kind of revealed to me maybe why my dad has some really lousy ties uh, and maybe a few strange coffee mugs from back in the day when I was buying him those gifts. Uh, so uh, it's just kind of weird. Even though the other parent may help, Hannah may help the kids pick something out for me, they really feel, those little kiddos feel like they are buying me something even though they're using my money. And so it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a weird dynamic. And it, it's not actually so different from us and God. Just in the, the whole idea that, um, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where something happens and you realize, or you just get the feeling, you realize it's just how small we are. Just the whole idea of, maybe you've been on a beach and you've just seen a storm rolling over the water, just you just feel small in that moment. Maybe you've been out in the mountains and you've just seen that great expanse and you're like, man, I just feel small right now. Staring out at the sky and just seeing all those stars, just feeling small. Or maybe you've had situations in your life where you... Uh, you felt just how little control we have sometimes. Or maybe just how fragile life can really be. You with me? And, and, and the, the idea of all of this is that God owns it all. He owns it all. It's all his. Uh, he is the reason that all of this is here. Even, I mean, this church, yes, but I'm talking everything. Everything that's here, it's all because of him. The world, the cosmos, the galaxies far, far away, all, all of those things are, are they're his. And, and you may be at this moment saying, 
duh, yeah, it's, it's all God's. Um, but, but far too often, maybe you're like me, and maybe far too often, I step back and I realize that I'm living like I'm in charge. You ever been there? Living like you're in charge? And just not realizing that, that God is in charge and that he has a plan. And um, that's what I want to look at. I want to look at a few verses today just kind of just, just to remind us of that. Maybe just to just change our perspective a little bit to, to say, okay, let's stop being in charge and let's, let's let who's in charge be in charge. Because him being in charge changes the way that we live. It should. It should. And so let's, uh, let's take a look at a few verses. Uh, I'm going to be all over the place today with a lot of different verses, so I'm going to have them on the screen here, so feel free to take a look at those. But we're going to start with Psalm 24, verse 1. Just this kind of a summary idea of the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. That's you. That's me. All of us. This is, this is all his. He, he's the reason that we're here. And then if uh, one of my favorite verses in Scripture, I, I just love, I love this, this, this part, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 17. It's talking about Jesus, and listen to what it says. It's, it says this, Colossians 1, 15 through 17. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Did, did you catch it, though, that all things were created by him, through him, and for him? Everything, everything that you could think of was created by him, through him, and for him. And this, guys, is a very good thing. Why do I say that? I say that because he's good. Okay? If he was any other way, it would be a bad thing. I don't know if you've ever gotten to that point in your life where you're like, man, I don't know. I think I could do it better than God. Maybe you've kind of been there, and maybe I've had those thoughts before, but at the same time, I've also kind of come up, I've become more aware of just my fallenness and who I am, and I've realized that I am so glad that God is not more like me. I mean, just like, not even just a little bit. I mean, I'm so glad he's not because guys, I, maybe it's marriage, maybe it's having kids, whatever it is, but I realize that I am not very patient, okay? I'm just not a very patient person, and, and so I'm like, man, God, I'm glad you're patient, because if you're like me, it would be bad. Um, I, I also get annoyed really easily, and, you know, if I'm glad God doesn't do that with us, because, you know, just boom, that yeah, would be bad. Um, just to be perfectly honest, when I'm hungry, I'm not really fun to be around. Okay, and, and so I just want to just just mention that maybe some of you are like that's me too. Yeah, you get kind of that hangry, right? You get the, you get that whole feeling. And but but man, our God though, He is patient, even when we're knuckleheads, right? He is He is so patient. Uh, I love the verse in Second Peter three verse nine. It says, "The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance." Now, some of you maybe just had to be here for that verse. Maybe you just need to hear a little insight into God's heart. Just that That's for you. That That's the way that he loves us. He's, he's being patient. He's, he, he wants everybody. His heart is that all would reach repentance. He knows that you and I are a hot mess. He does. He knows we are. But he, he knows even how many times we're going to break his heart. And he still chooses to love us. He loves us with that fierce love, that intense love, that love that is He's the way maker, isn't he? He's the miracle worker. He's the one that steps into our lives and says, man, I want to love you like you've never seen before because I am love. I'm going to show you what love really is so that then you can go and show other people love because you've seen it from me. That's, that's amazing. 
So uh, let me go ahead and just dispel a myth right now, right here, right now. Um, God doesn't need our worship because he's insecure or something. Okay, he doesn't, he doesn't need it at all. Um, I, you know, Hannah and I, we want our kids to honor us, okay? We, want, we, we try to get them to say please and thank you. Uh, we're working on yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. That's it's a little harder than sometimes. Um, there are certain ways that my kids should talk to their mama, and there are certain ways they shouldn't. And I need to be around to help make sure that happens, right? And, and so there's, there's those certain things. Now, do Hannah and I need the honor of a four-year-old and a whole slew of two-year-olds in order to feel better about ourselves? Do, does my well-being depend on their respect and their honor? No. But, but I do want what's best for them. I do want them to know Jesus more than anything. I do want them to honor authority. I, I don't want them to be lousy future adults. You know, I, I don't want them just to be terrible to be around. You've been around those people. I don't want them to be those people, right? I, I don't want that for them. And, and, and God wants our worship because we're made in his image. And he wants us to be like him. He wants, he wants our worship because our worship belongs on the supreme being of the universe, and that's him. It belongs on him. That's where it should be. If it's on anything or anyone else, He's jealous. And it's not a small jealousy. It's not like just like a like he's being petty or something. No, he wants our worship right placed. He knows that worship on him is where the right place is. He knows that our worship on anything less than him is too low. And it's not worthy of our worship. Because see guys, you, me, we're creatures of worship. We are. We worship so many things. It's, you know, think through some of the things we worship. We, we devote our time to these things that we worship. We, we spend our money on them. We, we give our attention to. You can think of the things that move you, right? Those are the things we worship. The things that motivate us. The things that churn us on our inside. Things that keep us going. God wants himself to be the primary object of our worship. Anything else is going to fail us. And he knows that. And many of you know that too. You've, you've tried a few other things. And you see that, man, when our worship is right placed, it's at the right place. It really is. And uh, in history, mankind has worshipped a, a myriad of different things, right? You, you think through just history. We've, we've worshipped the sun, the moon, carved images, even other people who call themselves God. Uh, it may seem silly to you, but let's melt down some gold and maybe make it into a golden aardvark and bow down to it and stuff. No, I had to look up an aardvark because I wanted to make sure I knew what it looked like. Um, but you can't really say that we're that much better, okay? Because while we've traded in our gold animals, we've kind of traded them in for probably some more subtle things like beauty and comfort and money, right? And now, any of those things are not bad in and of themselves, right? But when they become the point, we are missing the point. Maybe, maybe that's why Jesus talks so much about money throughout the Bible. Uh, last week, Joe Sangle kind of he gave some different statistics that just kind of jumped out to me. He said that 17 out of 38 parables are all about money and possessions. It's quite a few. Nearly one out of six verses in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John focus on money and possessions. There are more verses about money in the Bible than love, hope, and prayer combined. It's kind of crazy. Maybe God knew. He did. Uh, He knew that money and possessions were going to compete for our hearts. Maybe he knew that. 
And that's maybe why his word focuses so much on it. So if all of this, all of this world and everything that's in it, including us, is all about him and not about us, if he's the owner, what does that make us? The, the thought I'd give you is out of Romans 6, and it says that before Jesus steps in, we are slaves to sin. Slaves to sin. That's where we are. That's our, that's our identity. Slaves to sin. Jesus steps into the picture and transforms that identity from slaves to sin to slaves to righteousness. Slaves to God in a way. But before you've got to say, oh, now I'm still in slavery, slave, slave. But it's a totally different kind of, of thought here is that we're slaves to God because he freed us from slavery and purchases that freedom with the blood of Jesus. So that's, that's a pretty big price, guys. And so we're bought out of slavery into being uh, slaves of righteousness with God. But then Jesus kind of reframes that in John 15 when he, he's, he's talking through this the abide passage. And he, say, he says this in John 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. So Jesus is calling us to abide in him, and he's calling that those that are his kids, those that know him and have pledged allegiance to him, um, he's calling us friends. And not just friends, he's saying, hey, I, I, my friends, let's go, let's go to work. I'm going to go put you to work now, because that's what we're here to do. We're here to tell the world about him, tell the world about Jesus who set us free from the slavery of sin. That, that's, our, that's our job. And we're going to do that through, uh, we're going to do that, and he's going to give us every single thing that we need to do that. That's kind of cool. He's put us to work, but he's also given us every tool that we need, namely himself through the Holy Spirit. And, and so um, our, our job well done at the end, the end of our lives, is going to be, did we know Jesus? Did we know him? And then what did we do with what he gave us? What did we do? We're going to be accountable for all the things that he gave us. So it begs the question, how have I, how have you managed the things that God has entrusted you with? How have you done? Because, guys, that's what we are. We're managers. We are. We're managers. And uh, a good way to look at this for me is just uh, suppose you had an amount of money that was significant to you. Okay? You had this amount of money. Let's say you entrusted someone to manage it for you. Okay? You said, okay, that's the person. I'm going to give them this money. If they're going to manage it for me. Per, say they took your money and they spent it all on themselves. Would that make you happy? Is that going to make you well pleased with them? Uh, are you going to um, be overcome with the love of God for that person? Probably not. Absolutely not. Uh, why, why would you be upset in that moment? Probably because they took your money and they spent it all on themselves. It, it wasn't their money. They were supposed to be the manager, right? Yet you, you trusted them to use it wisely. And so that's what it comes down to. A manager is, a, is placed in his or her position because the owner trusts them, right? The owner trusts them. Being, being a manager is not just an issue of money. It's also an issue of trust. And so uh, I want you just to think a little bit with me of all the things that God trusts you with, trusts me with. He gives us our bodies. He gives us our time. He gives us our gifts and our talents. He gives us our money. All of those things. I, I mean, you've got to think about it. If one of my kids has proven time and time again that they cannot be trusted with something, don't tell them I told you, but Judah cannot be trusted with markers. Okay? Just, just don't tell them. But... 
No matter how sincere he asks, no matter how sincere that your kiddo might ask, it doesn't change your mind until they've proven by their behavior that they can be trusted, right? So no matter how many times I try to convince God, God, you should just richly bless me and do all this, he's got to be looking at me saying, how are you doing with what I've given you? You've already been given so much because God's word is right. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 21 with me. It says, it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, God's word is true. God's word is right. So if somebody came in and they took a snapshot of your life, and they were just going to dive in right there and say, okay, what would I say this person treasures? Just looking at your life. What would they say? Uh, maybe they look at my life and they say, this guy might be worshiping some Tex-Mex a little bit too much. Okay? I don't know, but what would they see? What are you treasuring in your life? And you might say, okay, why are we spending three weeks going over I was broke now I'm not, talking money and God's things and all that stuff? Because, guys, I think it matters. I think it matters. It, it matters because our counselor, we have a professional counselor here at the church, she sees so many couples that are struggling with, with finances as, as part of the root issue of, of, of them struggling. We don't want that for you. We don't want that for, for anyone. And so just to kind of gauge this a little bit, I, I, I needed a reframing in my mind of, am I a good manager with what God has provided me? And so it begged three questions for me. And I, I think I just want you just to hear these questions and just reflect on them yourself. Um, we know that God has given all, all of us different resources. He's given us money and he's asked that we give a portion of it back to, to him uh, in, in his work. And so my first question would be, am I giving money to God's work? Just the whole idea of I, you need to be seeing where God's moving and then your money should be going there uh, to a percentage, okay? And, and that's between you and God, all right? But, man, where God's moving, I want to be a part of that. And, and so I'd, I'd ask that you be a part of that too. Um, second question I have to ask myself is, do I plan for every dollar God has provided? Okay, I'm about to, uh, about to say a bad word here, okay? So just be ready. Uh, the word is budget. Okay. So just, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to say it in church. But, uh, but just, just I mean, guys, uh, Proverbs 21.5 says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. If I gave you an option, would you like profit or would you like poverty? Of course you're going to say profit. But what does it take to get there? The first part of that verse says it takes plans and it takes diligence. Plans is that budget. Plans is not wondering where your money went, but telling it where to go, right? It's that whole idea of, man, I want to I wanna, I wanna be in control of that. I want, I want some margin in my life. I want to be able to bless people. I want to be able to step out in faith and know that God may be doing something with this. And that's what we're going to be asking for. And so uh, the, the last one, can God trust me with everything that he has provided? And uh, the way I like to look at this is if, if someone were handling money for you, the same way that you're handling money for God, would you trust them? Kind of, just kind of turn it around there a little bit. You're like, okay, well, I don't know. I should probably fire me. No, uh, but this is, this is that whole thought of, man, what am I doing here? And so where do you go from here? What does it look like? If you look through the I was broke, now I'm not stuff, the first rung on the ladder, he kind of has ladder like Dave, Dave Ramsey has baby steps. The first rung on the ladder is for you to dream a little bit. The whole idea for you to set some goals and you to figure out, okay, I want to do this life, and I'm going to do it intentionally. And that's going to require some goals. I've got to set these goals and know that, man, I really want to, I want to, I want to win with money. I want to be able to do the things God's called me to do. 
man, maybe it's just going to take some written goals to start off before you ever even get off into paying off debt and doing these things and getting, getting, that, getting stuff straight. Uh, setting some of those goals. That's the first step. You need to dream a little bit. It's fun to dream, guys. It's fun. But when you have the steps that are involved to getting to those dreams, that's a lot more fun. It is. It's a lot more fun. And uh, the other thing that's pretty cool is um, we have now trained over 10 people here in this church to be able to offer financial assistance for free to anybody that's looking for that. Okay? And that's something that you can sign up for. We can help you with your budget. We can do some of those things and be able to give you some real Let's walk beside, let's walk through this together and be able to say, hey, I want to, I want to help you achieve these things too. And so if you're looking for that, you can email the office manager, Brandy, say, hey, I'm looking for, the, for a financial coach, or you could talk to Jessica James back in the Welcome Center, and she'll, she'll hook you up with that. And so please, check that out. The other thing is we're about to have a six-week class about to start, and we're looking for more people to sign up for that. If you want to come and be a part of that, feel free to also sign up with Jessica on that class. Uh, so that's that's some really great stuff, um, but just kind of in closing, I want to I want to turn to a a Psalm of Moses. Okay, Psalm ninety verse twelve. It says this. It says, "So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom." That's what we're needing. We're needing that wisdom. We're needing those things. But to me, I really enjoy just kind of pondering this a little bit, thinking through that the number of our days to to number our days means to, to not take them for granted. It means to manage them well. And so, man, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of not managing stuff well. I want, I want to do better. And I hope you're in that same boat. But I think it comes back to the idea of viewing God for who he is. He's owner of it all. And that, in turn, makes me manager. And so, man, I've been entrusted with so much. May I honor him with my life. May I honor him with my resources. May I honor him with the way that I, I live. And I hope you do, too. Bigger than that, bigger than a bank account, bigger than even a budget, is the whole idea that I can truly tell you that I was broke. The truth is a much bigger brokenness than how much money I had in the bank account. And that's where this all begins, is have you come to a place where you've realized just how broken you really are? That on my best day, I fall short, you fall short of God's demand of perfection. I don't know about you, but I feel like the more that I get to know Jesus, the more I see my brokenness for what it really is. The, the more I see what Jesus gave his life for, an extreme cost for an extreme brokenness. So I came to a place where I could say, I was broke, now I'm not, and it's only because of Jesus. And, and I hope that you're there too. I, I want you to address that brokenness first, because the bank account part is important, but eternity hangs in the balance in knowing Jesus who covers all of our brokenness. Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for this time, this chance just to be able to just dive in and see, God, that you have so much more than brokenness for us, God, that you are the one that heals. You are the one that's bigger than our situations. You are the one that speaks to us in the moments where we need you oh so much. God, and I pray for that right now, that your spirit, God, as you pour out, that you would just show us more and more the things that we need to address in our lives. May we do that in a way that honors you, in a way that gives you glory, and we pray this in the matchless name of Jesus.